Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Buddy, happy Monday to all of you. I've got my uh, my new mic here. I got it all settled, figured out. It shouldn't be a problem for the rest of the duration. Starting to learn a little bit about the technical sides of things. But more importantly, we watched a lot of football. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. We are going to go over four games today. Um... Good games. You know, it was a good weekend. Good slate. We got a game tonight. We'll discuss that one tomorrow as well. I like the Panthers in that game. Um, I urge you to check out the rest of the Locked On NFL or Locked On Network. All the other different teams are a little more specific with your favorite team or your least favorite team. Uh, talking about those games. And we are brought to you by Mack Weldon today, a new uh, new sponsor I'm pretty excited about. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them down the road. I highly urge you to check them out. They are fantastic, very comfy to say the least. But first game that we are going to chat about, the undefeated Vikings beat up on the Texans. They just did. I thought this game would be closer I've lost a lot of faith in Houston, you know, since we started talking. I thought their defense would be elite. I thought the, you know, the, the offense. Well, here it is. I have, I've had two massive concerns about Houston since day one, and that's Brock Osweiler, and that's our offensive line. And I would say that those two areas of concern are even worse than I anticipated, and I didn't have high hopes for either. Really loved the rest of the team. Thought the defense... You know, with J.J. Watt would make up for a lot of those things. Um, and, and obviously, you play the Vikings. If you're weak on the offensive line and weak at quarterback, well, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a big problem. This defense is awesome. Um, but the big concerns for Houston are really showing up, and that's quarterback, and that's offensive line. Osweiler, he was terrible in this game. He's been getting worse, I think, every game. He's been a liability since day one, basically, in Houston. Um is he going to get better? I don't see it. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's a ways away. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Terrible verse pressure. Holds the ball too long. Bad decisions. Bad mechanics. Bad feet. Has to process things much quicker. Doesn't do that at all. Um, this is going to be a very much a work in progress for Bill O'Brien. And they're going to have to be better. And with the off- offensive line the way it is, you got to be better. I mean, you can't run the ball. The The receivers are great, but if Osweiler can't get him the football, it doesn't matter. Again, this is as stiff a test as you're going to see for the Texans, and they're still in the hunt in their awful division. But this was really concerning. They they shuffled the offensive line around during the game. didn't matter, as you can predict. I mean, if you're shuffling your offensive line around, that's not a good sign. And the Vikings' defensive front was dominant, as you can expect. Their corners played great against Hopkins and Fuller. So big and physical, the line of scrimmage, they bang you around. And, and Terrence Newman's a phenom. I mean, at this guy's age, you remember he was a top-five pick way back when. So he entered the league as an elite physical specimen. But as a Zimmer favor, brought him over from Cincinnati. He's playing great. You know, he's back in the lineup. Uh, Kendrick showed up a lot here, too. You know, a, a very fine game from him on the second level all over the field. 
Harrison Smith dropped a, what would have been an easy pick six in this game. So this could have been even worse for the, the Houston offense and Osweiler in general. Bad, really bad, you know. But I thought this game would be closer because, you know, Diggs was out. I figured Minnesota would have a tough time generating offense. And not that I was in favor or, you know, thinking Houston was going to put up a lot of points by any means. I didn't. But I thought the the Texans' D would be able to keep this game within one score, give or take, especially with Diggs out of lineup. They're not running the ball well. And they still didn't run the ball well. You know, they... Um, the running game still very much a work in progress, you know, but they started to use more screens and get the running backs more involved in the passing game. That makes sense with McKinnon now in and Peterson out. Bradford's clearly the story though. I mean, this is four straight games of him being super impressive, making big time throws. Really, really impressive. I mean, against a good defense. I mean, even without digs, their offensive line is highly banged up. Um, Adam Thielen, Cordero Patterson, these guys have stepped up. I know they really like Thielen. Um, I, I think he's kind of just a guy, but he's a, a, you know an important piece of the of the of the passing game right now. That's looking for guys. They're, they're getting Patterson more and more involved. I mean, I, I kind of just threw that out there <laughs> over this last week. That what if he turns into what we think he could have been a couple years ago? or a portion of it, or three plays a game of that guy. I mean, it could really be a difference maker for this team. Jonathan Joseph was picked on. You know that I, I'm starting to put my, my radar up of, is this guy on the decline? I mean, he's been a really good corner for a couple years. Um, again, the, the running game was a real problem for the, for the Vikings. Didn't really matter. And they started this game with a lot of safer throws, um, and then they start going down t- field and taking more shots as the game went on. Um, the, the Texans defense didn't play bad. You know, Clowney, I thought, really stood out. He's a guy I always watch when those games are on. I'm a big, big fan. Merciless had two sacks. Uh, left tackle remains a massive problem for the Vikings, too. TJ Clemmings, uh, wishing the best from Pitt. And former defensive lineman turned offensive lineman. He is He got abused in this game, and there really isn't an answer in sight. Left tackle is a big problem for the Vikings. I would say both defensive lines won this their matchups, especially in the passing game. Although you know Minnesota's was far clearer in that in that way and a lot more consistent, a lot more fierce. But one quarterback handled it really well. One quarterback handled it very poorly, and I think it's easy to tell which is which. Obviously, the game script didn't really lend itself to a ton of running for Houston, but still, I mean. Only 20 yards rushing for Lamar Miller. I mean, I think he had eight carries, something along those lines. You got to get more from him. You know, you got to get more from him. And I understand it's the Vikes, and that's a brutal situation. And, you know, the Vikes got up early in this game. Two really impressive drives right off the bat from Bradford. And at that point, I mean, forget about it. I mean, Minnesota, when they get a lead like that, I mean, that's all you can say about it is, you know, forget about it. Imagine if they could run the ball. And just really grind you into the ground. But Bradford was awesome. Defense was awesome. Some receivers stepped up. Very, very well-coached team. Highly impressive. Undefeated Minnesota Vikings. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in, you know... No. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates because knowledge is power. 
Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. All right, next game I want to discuss is the Sunday Nighter, Giants-Packers. Green Bay really controlled this from the start. I know it ended up being like a touchdown game at the end, but they were really not in any jeopardy. I'm sure a lot of you watched it. Um, Packers just dominated time of possession early in this game. You know, the offense moved the ball really well. Uh, Jenkins had two interceptions in this game. Janoris Jenkins, a corner for Giants, had two interceptions in this game. The first one may have kept a minute from being a blowout. I mean, the way that Green Bay was moving the ball uh, off a tip pass, he made a play. He came up big for them in this game overall. But, you know, the story here was, the as usual, the Giants, well, not as usual, but the Giants didn't blitz much. You know, they, they trusted their front four. And Pierre, Paul, and Vernon, the two high-paid defensive ends, are very good pass rushers. Their inside guys are big run stuffers, though. And the Packers' offensive line is exceptional. And those two couldn't get home at all. You know, zero pass rush from the from the Giants. Um, the, the defensive tackles aren't going to provide much anyways. So Rodgers had three, four, five seconds to throw over and over. And... I give the Giants back seven credit. I mean, you would think that if I told if that's all you knew about the game was Aaron Rodgers had five seconds to throw consistently, that he would have put up 50, <laughs> you know, but I do think the Giants back seven held in there pretty well, considering that circumstance. And, you know, the, the, I thought the Packers O-line was really gets the game ball. Um, Lacey ran pretty well. He bounced off some tacklers. Went out of this game and didn't return. Starks came in, and I'm starting to worry about Starks. I wonder if Starks is done. He's done very, very little this year. Lacey's a free agent after the year. I wonder if this is a team that decides to go running back heavy next year or high in the draft next year, or do you bring back Lacey? You know, what do you do? I think that's interesting. I thought the combination of Adams, he made a couple big plays. Cobb, this was probably Cobb's best game in. I don't know, the last 20 games. Jordy Nelson, I don't. I still don't think Jordy's quite the Jordy he was pre-injury, but is easing back into that and is still a highly effective player. That threesome, for the, for the most part, did what you want them to do, you know. And again, they had the massive advantage of so much time to get open. So I don't want to toot the receiver's horns that much, you know. I mean, again, the Giants' back seven was really in a compromised situation. Um, again, Jenkins had a second interception. This is around three minutes left in the half. Uh, again, that kept them in the game, too. Those were two huge, huge plays. But the other side of the ball is interesting, too. I mean, you, you look at the Giants and think, is there a script for this team? If we can, you know, not everyone's going to protect as well as the, the Packers, but if we can help heavily in the passing game against on, on the edges in protection against those two defensive ends, we should have success through the air. And then the other side of the ball, and again, this is partially because the Packers' run defense is awesome this year. It doesn't get talked about enough, but uh, they're allowing under two yards per carry for the season on on the the Packers' defense. And some of it's because they've been so vulnerable through the air. Uh, Both their starting corners were out of this game. But it was very obvious, and they talked about it on the broadcast a ton, was the Packers just sat there all day with, with two high safeties, and just mocked the Giants, you know, begging them to run on them. And 
New York has zero running game. They're, they're on, you know, they've gone down a few running backs. They aren't, they weren't that impressive to begin with. They had no, no fear of the Giants' running game. And I would imagine even teams that don't stop the run as well as Green Bay does, and again, they stop one really well, is still going to play the Giants the same way. Is hey, run us out of this too deep zone, and we're going to give a lot of help and attention to your three top receivers. Um, and Eli really only looked like he was going to Odell in this game. And Eli, I have mixed feelings about him the last couple of weeks. I mean, is this one of his slumps? He seems so Beckham reliant. Um, the Giants did miss a few big plays in this game. You know, again, the Packers didn't have two of their starting cornerbacks, and still they couldn't abuse them. You know, couldn't couldn't win through the air. The Giants. Giants' red zone problems on offense, or, that goes back to last year in a big way. They showed up heavily in this game, too. A lot of settling for, for three. Um, a lot of missed third downs in the red zone. You know, as Mike Lombardi says, that's a that's a four-point play. You know, if, you, if it's third down in the red zone and you don't convert, you basically gave up four points on that one play. You know, TD settling for a field goal. It's the math here, seven minus three. If you didn't figure that out. And that's a really good way of looking at it. I heard him talking about it on the Bill Simmons show a little while back. It's really well said. Um, what else is there to take away from this one? Just settling for so many field goals. Starks. The one thing we did see, we saw uh, Spriggs as a sixth offensive lineman for the Packers coming in this game, especially late. I think they're very high on him. And I mentioned that because he's a, he's a high pick. They traded up for him. You know, uncharacteristic Packers type move. Their offensive line is right up there right now with the best offensive lines in the league, even without Logan Mankins. And Spriggs can't even get on the field. So they're bringing him out in a, a sixth offensive line package. Uh, I think that they will probably see more and more of him. But I think the Giants' defense deserves some credit here. I mean, they were on the field so much, had no pass rush. On the road, I mean, they held up pretty well, <laughs> all in all. I mean, did they win the game? No. But like I said, if, you, if I told you at the start... Um, that Rodgers had that much time and his receivers could get you know wait that long to get free, you would think this would be a blowout. So I, I thought the Giants' back seven held up pretty well, although the, the stat sheets and the box score won't really show that. So I mentioned before that we are brought to you by Mac Weldon, a new sponsor, which we're super excited to have on board. Just shows how much the Locked On Network is growing. And... I knew this was coming for a week or so, and they sent me, uh, you know, basically a gift card for their for their site to go to MacWeldon.com, and I got to pick a handful of things, whatever I wanted, and they arrived a couple days ago. And I'm just going to tell you, their fabric and everything about them is super comfortable, super stylish. They're known for their underwear, <laughs> and I didn't buy in their underwear. I got a I got underwear probably older than some of you. I should probably clean that out and go down that road again for Mac Weldon. But I got a, a V-neck t-shirt, I got a long sleeve t-shirt, and I got a really comfortable, good-looking zip-up sweatshirt for my for my wife, actually. I mean, I know it's men's stuff, but um, I, I you know she's going to wear it a lot, and she loves it. She's been wearing it the whole time. Super-duper comfortable, really warm, really good-looking stuff. And really, the, 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 the purpose here is Mack Weldon is just better than anything you're wearing right now. I, I promise you. I mean, I, I wouldn't tell you this um, if I didn't believe it. I have got a chance to wear these things. I've got a chance to have them in my hands, and they are fantastic. Um, 
the the key here is go to macweldon.com and, and you get 20% off using the promo code. And, you know, I mean, it's phenomenal stuff. It's reasonably priced. Yeah, just use my promo code, NFL. Easy enough to remember. You go to macweldon.com. You get 20, 20% off using the promo code NFL. How easy is that? And it's well worth it, I'm telling you. Um, I told you they're known for their underwear, but the other stuff is phenomenal. I'm probably going to go down that underwear road with my next order. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobacterial. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how you say that word, but it means they eliminate odor. And it, you know, that's, that's pretty big in the underwear world. If you have a fabric that's that comfortable, that durable, and it eliminates odor, it's a home run. But I highly encourage it. You're going to be hearing a lot more about Mack Weldon from me. I'm going to put my second order in here soon. Get some undies. Um, I love the t-shirts. I love the sweatshirt. My wife loves the sweatshirt. And I highly highly suggest you check these out. Go to MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off using the promo code NFL. Okay. Two more games on the slate. I'm going to talk about the Steelers. Get used to it. I'm here in Pittsburgh. I had to watch it. Not like it was so horrible to watch. Um, they put a whipping on the Jets. I'm worried about the Jets. Uh, I think the Jets are in trouble. Not a playoff team. Probably could pick pretty early. Their secondary is a real problem. Um, again, this is kind of like the, the Houston situation. Like, yeah, you have a bad offensive line, a bad quarterback. You don't want to go to Minnesota. Well, you have a bad secondary and not a lot of pass rush. You don't want to go to Pittsburgh. I mean, the, the Steelers are playing really, really well. Steelers pass protection really held up well in this. Uh, Chris Hubbard got his start at right tackle, did a nice job. Um, I know that they're pretty happy with him. I thought he was more of a guard thrown into the tackle position, but he did play well. Jets hardly blitzed at all. You know, I, I, I feel for Todd Bowles. You know, I told you I was with him at the when the Browns. He is the most blitz-happy coach in the league, more or less, and loves to come after with tons of pressures. Six-man pressures, but he just doesn't trust the secondary right now. You know, they're playing a lot more zone, and they're blowing coverages in zone. I'm just talking throughout the year. He wants to play a lot more man. That's not cutting it. Revis isn't holding up his end of the bargain, and Revis didn't play in this game, so they were even worse. Um, Ben's playing at a really, really high level. They have so many weapons. Antonio Brown makes it all go, but the attention he gets really opens things up for everybody else, and they can just attack you in so many ways. Sammy Coates was kind of the story of this one. Right off the bat, you know, Ben sees him one-on-one, which often happens, and defenses really don't have a choice. And he's fast. He's the Martavis Bryant move now, and they just put it up. And Bryant, you know, uh, Coates made a play right off the bat, 70-some yard touchdown. You knew it was going to be a long day for the secondary at that point. Coach made a couple other big plays and had some drops, and that's something he does. He he, he is not a great catcher of the football, wasn't coming out of Auburn, but he also had a hand injury in this one. So I think he deserves a little bit of a pass. You know, if you're playing with an injured hand, it's hard to catch a football from Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Le'Veon Bell remains fantastic. Like I said, the line is playing really, really well. Um Roethlisberger did hit on some big plays, but more or less just picked the Jets apart underneath. A lot to levy on Bell. Uh, just constantly. I mean, Bell's such a matchup problem. that That's asking a lot. And the Jets were overmatched in that regard, too. I thought Leonard Williams had a really good game. And 
But the thing is, if you can't constantly pressure Ben, you're just asking too much. You know, they did bottle up Bell in the running game. He had a couple nice runs, but overall, I thought the Jets stopped the run, as they usually do. Uh, they had their protection problems, too. Fitzpatrick didn't play very well. James Harrison did a nice job rushing the passer. He's a timeless guy, kind of like Terrence Newman we talked about earlier. Brandon Marshall was basically the whole offense, and he put on a show. But who else is there now with Decker out? You know, I mean, uh, I mean, um, the one Marshall touchdown, it really should have been a Fitzpatrick interception. It was a terrible throw. Uh, went through the hands of the defender. Marshall hauled it in. But Marshall was great in this game. But they don't have anything else on offense. And Fitzpatrick is not the quarterback to elevate those around him. He needs that supporting cast like he had last year. Uh, Marshall did a lot of his damage against Ross Cockrell, who is the Steelers' top corner. I mean, he's not great, but he's been pretty good this year. And he's finding himself a lot against number one corners or number one receivers. Has held his own, did pretty well against A.J. Green. But he had a long day in this one. You know, Brandon Marshall's playing phenomenal. Um... I just don't know what else to take about this. I mean, my power rankings are going to really reflect my thoughts on these two teams. I urge you to check that out on Wednesday. And the one thing, you know, remember we talked about the Titans, how they just lack speed on offense. The Jets kind of lack speed everywhere. Their secondary is slow. They're, you know, I love their defensive front, but they don't have any speed. You know, all their pass rushers, all their studs up front are big guys. You know, they don't have an edge speed guy. I mean, I'm not saying they need Von Miller, but that wouldn't hurt. Um, on offense, they're slow. Marshall's their top guy, but he's slow. <laughs> you know, I mean, their running backs aren't speedsters. Where's the big plays come from? I really, I've said this to you guys a lot, was I would love to see a healthy Devin Smith in this offense. Uh, they drafted him early in the second round a couple of years back out of Ohio State, and he's exactly what they need from a big play perspective. Doesn't sound like he, he who knows if he'll ever be the same. It's unfortunate, who knows, he hardly has played for them. But Jets are in trouble. Steelers look really good. I think that's what you need to get out of this one. You know, it also looks really good. The Atlanta Falcons. This was a statement game. You know, it just shows that their offense... Their offense can attack you in just so many ways. And we're going to talk about the Bengals later. And one thing I've really noticed about the Bengals is when A.J. Green goes off, they win or, you know, are a highly competitive team. Whenever he doesn't go crazy, and obviously he's going to deal with a ton of coverage, they do nothing. And that's what happened in Dallas yesterday. Well, that's not the case at all in Atlanta. And it sort of used to be with, with Julio. I mean, I mentioned it because these guys came in the league together. They're both elite receivers. Um, they can just attack you in so many ways. And if a, a defense decides to take Julio out of the equation, obviously a great Denver secondary. So they just attack you in different ways. And they didn't run the ball very well. You know, Julio didn't do much. You know, again, what if I told you, boy, the Falcons went to Denver yesterday and Julio hardly did anything and they didn't run the ball that well. Like, okay, well, they lost. You know, they got, they were exposed. Not at all. Not at all. It, 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 Ryan sort of started slow. I would say it wasn't his best game, but he played well overall. Um, and then they just started using the, the the running backs, especially Coleman, but Coleman and Freeman. They just abused the Denver linebackers in coverage. You know, really, <laughs> you know, that neutrified the pat. You know, neutralized the Denver pass rush to some degree. You know, quick hitting running back. You know, screen plays and things like that worked extremely well. And those linebackers for Denver got exposed in that way. Um, on that side of the ball, Von Miller really showed up, but it wasn't enough. I mean, I thought he was probably the best player on the field. 
uh, on either side of the ball. Got a ton of attention. Um, did, really ate up Schrader, the right tackle, who's been pretty good for them. But, I mean, uh, he, he had a long day with Von Miller. Miller's putting up a fantastic year, not losing a step at all. Um, Matthews on the other side, the other tackle, the left tackle, I think, is quickly showing that he's one of the better players in the league, as his lineage would imply. I mean, he'll probably just plug him in there for the next 10 years and not worry about it. What a phenomenal feeling that would be for the Falcons and Matt Ryan. On the other side of the ball, man, Lynch really struggled, really struggled. He was under a lot of pressure under this game, um, and Atlanta wasn't blitzing him all that much. You know, it was Freeney, it was especially Beasley. The right tackle situation for Denver is a real problem with Stevenson out. That was a turnstile for them. I do think Beasley's turning the corner in his career. I'm My hunch is Freeney is a really good influence on him, uh, on and off the field, how to be a pro. But Lynch, Lynch had a tough time. I mean, he did okay in the quick passing game, um, but as the downs went on, he looked overmatched. I'm still a big fan. I think it's probably the smart move to go back to Simeon. Uh, you saw what happens here, and that's okay. But uh, I think the future is still really bright for Lynch. I don't have big concerns for him. First start against a good pass rush, which is amazing. I mean, Atlanta's turning the corner on defense. I don't know. But at least I'm interested to say that they could rush the passer. And it kind of reminds me of Freeney's younger years in Indianapolis. If Beasley and Freeney can become good pass rushers, at least on third and long type deals, in the Atlanta Dome, doesn't that kind of remind you of Peyton Manning back in the day? You know, with this offense, with Matt Ryan being the Peyton Manning and them putting up a ton of points, it's a good formula for them. Um. Booker had a bigger role as a running game, and I'm not sure why. I still think Anderson's a superior player. But uh, you know, looking back on this game, I think Denver probably should have ran the ball more. You know, It was never really out of reach. I thought they put a little bit too much stress on Lynch. And the last guy I wanted to mention in this game, too, is Keanu Neal, the first-round pick for the Falcons. is starting to come into his own, too. So... Guys like Neal and Beasley can really step up, you know, and you know Trufant's a stud. You know Freeney's going to bring some, you know, third down passing acumen. Uh, that might be enough. It might be enough. I'm, I'm highly impressed with the Falcons. Well coached. Getting a lot out. I mean, if things don't go right, you know, with script A, we'll just go to script B and beat you that way. Good situation. Uh, and again, I'm not real worried about Denver. I think Denver will be fine. The right tackle situation certainly is a problem. But I think they'll be fine. All right, guys. We will reconvene tomorrow. Check out the rest of the Locked On NFL Network. Check out Mac Weldon. There you have it. Take care.